All right. Once, just to recap, how many types of seed are there in the parable? Just one. Just one type of seed. How many types of soil? Four. Path, rocky, thorny, good, right? Path matted down and birdie, rocky, it doesn't let you grow very far, thorny, things choke, and good, right? Does the good soil always produce the same yield? No, no. Does God mind? No, no, no. Pretty good parable? Pretty good parable. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. 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 What was the song? Mary Poppins. No, Super Catcher Fragilistic. I'm saying it wrong. Expialidocious. Docious Alley Whoopus. You're going backwards or whatever it is. Right. Let's continue here. Verse, we're at, we're at, uh, at uh, Matthew 13 now, verse 24 and following. Another parable. We're going to just uh, uh, touch these parables now. Apart from the weeds, we're going to touch them and just kind of grab the one point. Okay? Um, but with the weeds, we have some things to talk about, including some heresies. But he presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while people were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So weeds, who would actually plant weeds in your, you know, uh, uh, how evil do you have to be? Um, when I was a missionary, though, I was in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, they had a different kind of grass there. Um, and I, if I'm remembering rightly, it was called vetch. The thing about vetch is, Wow, did it make your lawn look green. It, on the surface, looked amazing. But if you would grab a piece of it and pull, it was like, a, a you ever had like a buried root or something where you grab it? The vetch would, it would like come up and you'd realize it snakes all over your yard and with clumps of grass everywhere and it would just pull up and it would never end. You'd just keep pulling and pulling and pulling this long, snaky tendril of vetch, leaving a furrow, by the way, of open dirt in your yard. Um, and uh, 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 my darling wife could obsess over a lawn like nobody could obsess over a lawn. And she would spend her summers basically killing dandelions. I never told her in our entire marriage how much I love dandelions because she had this vendetta against them. And I thought, uh, okay, I can, I can give up dandelions to have a happy marriage. You know, you might not think it's a big deal. Not really a big deal. But, but I, I, I don't have a vendetta against dandelions. But she did such a good job. There are none in our yard. You know, black-eyed Susans, yes. Dandelions, no. Um, but uh, I was always afraid that Kath would go out after the vetch and completely pull up our entire yard, you know, one day. She never got around to that. We were only there for two years, but uh, I was kind of worried. But um, yeah, this guy, this enemy came, comes and sows weeds 
and goes away. And when the plant sprouted and produced heads of grain, the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where'd the weeds come from? Um, just briefly, you know that around here, the, 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 the farmers who know what they're doing, they rotate their crops. So it'll be corn one year and beans, the other, you know, and so forth like that. Do you ever see the, 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 the field of the poor guy who missed a couple when he went for beans? So you've got beautiful rows and rows of beans and there's like a corn stalk and a second corn stalk and here and there. My son's always asking about that and I tell him that's the sign of a good farmer. I just tell the boys, don't ever criticize a farmer for what he does. Um, you, you haven't been there, although now Peter has, but uh, um, working on a farm. But He said them, an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and gather up the weeds? And what does Jesus say? No. Because when you gather up the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. What did Jesus just describe? And he said, don't do this. Oh, I mean, I mean the gathering of the weeds. A holy war. A holy war, a jihad. If, if people have, are, are among the church that have false doctrine, don't burn down the whole church. Let it, let it happen. Let it grow. Um, go ahead. Let's finish reading the text, and then we'll. And then we'll. I'll, let me let me get to this slide, and then we'll come back. Okay, um, but we're almost there. Um, so let both grow together until the harvest, and at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers: first, gather up the weeds, bind them in bundles, and burn them. Then gather the wheat into my barn. And of course, while they're gathering the grown weeds. Will they be able to tell if there's wheat in there along with them? Sure. You know. So I want to talk about this, let both go together. And I want to talk about these five heresies. But first, Beth. Ma, I'm pretty sure it was King James. It used the word tear. Yeah. So I asked the pastor once, what is that? Uh-huh. I've never done an etymology of tares. That's why it's a good word, because the weeds look good. Well, that's the etymology of tares, but in the Greek text, it's just, it's just wheat and weeds. Right. So I don't know if that's, okay. that's a pretty cool thing to say, but they don't always look exactly the same, although it's, that's kind of how Luther took it. Yes. So let me, let me just say uh, that this is a powerful statement. Let both grow together. Let, them, let, them, let, them, let it ride, as it were. Because there were ancient heresies that wanted to purge the world of all false doctrine and sinfulness as if a government or an army could purge the world of false doctrine. Um, dangerous thing. Jesus says, let both grow together. Um, the... Um, I think I have these on your sheet. Yeah, the Novations. Oh, Luther's favorite proverb, first of all. Luther cites this uh, dozens of times in his works, which is the, uh, the white bullet at the bottom of the first sheet. It will always be the case that wherever God establishes a fine, pure church, 
the devil immediately builds a chapel next door. Or the shorter version, wherever God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel. I've heard Pastor Beauvais uh, uh, use this uh, proverb uh, maybe as often as Luther. Um, and there are examples. So they, the, the, the weeds aren't just uh, unbelievers. I mean, that, that's hardly even the case, is it? The weeds are really uh, those people who look somewhat, this is maybe to Beth's point, Someone like Christians, but have some doctrine wrong. For, oh, go ahead. This pastor said to me, you have to be careful that you're not judging since your sight isn't always clear. And he wasn't talking about doctrine, he was mm-hmm. talking about their works. You're not to be judging them, the people that you feel are in error. Yeah. He said, remember your place. That's... That's almost more in line with uh, the, I, I, have a, I have seven meditations due tomorrow and the last of the meditations of the pack that I'm writing are on uh, James 2. Um, but judge not lest ye be judged is in there, yeah. The, so the Novations and the Donatists were both ancient uh, groups that purged their churches of all pastors who had lapsed. So the Romans would threaten a guy with torture, uh, burning with a scalding iron, crucifixion, death, or death by lions, um, unless he would usually just burn incense to Caesar. That was the, a pinch of incense would be how you get out of death there. And they would say, well, if a pastor did that, he can never serve the Lord's Supper ever again. Um, that was the Donatists. And essentially, they had all of their doctrine correct. There was no difference with regard to the Lord's Supper or baptism or conversion or the Trinity in this ancient group. But they were in a fury over what they called the lapsy, the lapsed. Um, and so they said, if you've, if you've lapsed, there's no forgiveness. You can't come back in. Um, and they became, it was one of the first examples of a church body that stood next to the to the to the to the the Orthodox Church body, and they weren't in fellowship. So already back then, and that was the that was the the marker. There are then uh, then the Novation uh, doctrine did the same thing again. It showed up in the sixth century when there was in the five hundreds a new purge against by by and it was the last gasp or shriek of the Roman Empire. Um, when did Rome fall? You got the, the year in your head? 77? Or, is it 77? 477. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the 5th century, and, uh, and the, the, the Donatists began to say, yeah, if he fell, then he can't come back in. You know. what, would you agree if your pastor has ever sinned, he should never give you the Lord's Supper? Um, that's, I mean, you laugh, cause, mostly because you know me. And, uh, but uh, um, but it's, it's, it's quite remarkable, the, the effect that this had. And I wonder if one of the lasting effects was we need to make our ministers, our priests, seem even as if they have no impurity at all. And what's the, the most obvious impurity in a person's life? Probably their sex life. And so what did they do to their priests? 
Well, at least spiritually, no more marriage. Yeah. Um, so that, so that uh, gets going. Then the, in, in Luther's time, there was a group called the Anabaptists who rejected infant baptism. Um, and they were mostly a reaction to a guy, a, ref, a Swiss reformer named uh, Zwingli, but they were like this. Then there are the sacramentarians, uh, a guy who had been a really good friend of Luther's um, uh, or an early companion of Luther's, Karlstadt. In fact, he, I think Karlstadt was the superintendent of the University of Wittenberg where Luther was a prof, Karlstadt. And when, when Luther ended up uh, for a while gone in the Wartburg, Karlstadt kind of went crazy destroying statues and stuff back in Wittenberg and, and things. If you've seen some of the Luther movies, you may remember that kind of a moment and so forth. Um, and then, and the, and the and sacramentarians ultimately, and Karlstadt made the mistake of saying, of denying the real presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper. So um, going off as uh, weeds among the wheat, you know, pulling along their Christians. And many people, if, if you don't have a car and you can't drive 20 minutes to Arlington, your home church is in your hometown, right? That's where grandma and grandpa and mom are buried. That's my church. And I can't walk somewhere else. So what do I do? So for a while, for the poor people, and, and understand that that's where Luther's compassion played in. For the poor people, their, their church is by and large based on an accident of geography. You know, this is where I grew up. This is my church. And if the new preacher is a wingnut, well, I guess I'm a wingnut now. But you hope that the gospel will work. And then what happened in New Alden? Mr. Buck, who was the big old Burgermeister landlord who had who built all the buildings and who had the brick trade and the lumber trade and he had the good dock down on the river back in the 1850s. Um, he says, I want a German Lutheran church in town. And what does he do? He builds one. Then he tells the congregation, we should call a pastor. I guess Buck's in charge, right? They couldn't find a preacher. What do they do? They get a, a, a student who's not really interested in anything apart from his studies. So they get candidate pop up here for a summer who doesn't even go and see the people, hardly shows up for church, prepared for leading worship. And eventually he kind of wanders away. I, the Concordia St. Louis and I think we found him. I was in contact with them about this. We think we found pop. I think that he ended up in the Missouri Synod. Um, but I'm not sure. I wanted to have his picture because we're working on a rogues gallery of all the old pastors of St. Paul's, you know. But I gotta, if I can't find the first one, then, the, you know, then what do I do? Do I find a huge crowd photograph of New Alm and I put an arrow somewhere with a question mark? Is this pop? You know, no, that's Mr. Buck's, you know, nephew. Or, but anyway, um, then, uh, uh, but do you know what Buck did next after he built the church and they called their first guy? They called another guy, a pastor named Kentner, who was not Lutheran. He was evangelical. That's reformed in Germany. And so our name was St. Paul's Lutheran, or, or, or St. Paul's Evangelical and Lutheran Church. Um, and Kentner was delighted with that until they called Father Heyer. 
Does anybody know who Father Heyer was? He was one of the first, I think he was president of the Minnesota Synod, did a lot of mission work in the Midwest, especially in Minnesota and the Dakotas. Um, had like a permanent sunburn, a Norwegian. And they called him down because they were having an argument with their pastor over the Lord's Supper and stuff. Hire came down here, and all I know, we don't have records of the meeting. I've looked. Uh, the archive doesn't have anything about this. All I know is that in the same meeting, St. Paul's dropped the word and from our name. So he became St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran, not Evangelical and Lutheran. And Kentner walked out of the meeting, no longer our pastor. Uh, I'd really love to have minutes. I could make up a fiction, but it would be a pious fiction. But uh, we, at that time, we called a guy who had for one year been the, the fill-in president of, the, of the, that other synod in Wisconsin called the Wisconsin Synod. Because we're, we're not the Minnesota district at this time, we're the Minnesota Synod. And there's a Michigan Synod out there, out east somewhere also. We called our, our Rhyme, who was from a place called uh, Columbus, Wisconsin, to come and be our pastor. He was here for a little while, um, and then a little while longer, a little while longer. He had been the, the Wisconsin pastor for a year, came over here. He was both a physician and a pastor. Um, and then he was, uh, the church got hit by a twister in, in 81, and uh, Rhyme was the pastor. And I don't know what magic old Mr. Buck could, was still able to make in those days, but we had blueprints for a steel and brick church like the next day. I don't know if he was already planning this, but the thing got built in less than a year. The tornado hit in what, July, August? And we're having a dedication ceremony in March? They did it in the winter? When, I mean, wow! Um, and uh, so Buck worked his, his, his magic, and, but uh, while the church is being built, in, in, this is early in 82, um, Rhyme is crossing what I call the, 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 what is that highway that goes out to 14, past, 37. is it 37? This goes over the bridge. He was crossing the bridge, and, and, the, and the buggy hit a rut, and he, he, he went over, and he broke his back. And he's a physician. He tells his wife, I feel fine now, but I'll be dead in three days. That's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. And they called a graduate um, a young guy named Albrecht who ended up, before 85, he ended up as the president of the Minnesota Synod. He had been here for three years. Which Albrecht, CJ? CJ. Um, Buck still exercising his influence when when Albrecht got 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 detailed with the, with the uh, I can finish this story when Buck got told um, that Albrecht was given the the task of finding a, a location for the new college yeah. everybody thought what makes sense in a world where it's railroads and the Mississippi what makes the most sense as the hub of our college system between us and Wisconsin I think lacrosse and some people were maybe thinking St. Peter but lacrosse St. Peter one of those right what does Buck do oh no he builds old Maine without telling anybody 
and then Albrecht, uh, and then the, the, the Synod Convention meets the next year. Albrecht throws open the doors of the new church. Come on out here, and there's Old Main. That's where we're going to build the new college. And they made him repent in his own sanctuary, on his face with his arms spread, because that's not what they asked him to do. They were basically asking him to pick between St. Peter and La Crosse, and he picks New Alm to serve kids in Wisconsin who want to be pastors and teachers. Um, yeah. Of course, then after they, he repented, then they accepted the college with thanks, and he finished building it, and uh, yeah. All right. Sorry I got off on that, but I was, once I'm telling this story, I can't stop telling this story. I could go on. Schmidt, Henning, what's that one guy's name? Sut, Sutton? I forget. Um, Smith. No such person. Another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. It's one of the smallest of seeds, but when it grows, it is larger than the other plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in his branches. That's the biggest mustard bush I've ever seen a picture of there. Usually they're more like just um, lilac bushes, that kind of size. But can a bird perch in a lilac? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I've seen a horde of cedar waxwings just take over a lilac bush. It's a pretty cool thing to see. Um, but sure, but that one is, uh, boy, I could climb, I could climb that tree, maybe. So, point of this one little parable, the mustard seed, it starts small, but it sure does bless a lot, right? That's the birds perching and the giving of shade, right? Sure does bless a lot. Another one. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast which a woman took and mixed into a bushel of flour until the whole batch was leavened. That ain't no bushel of flour. Um, the yeast were, the, the, uh, 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 think of a laundry basket, right? That's a lot of flour. A sia, um, Abraham or Moses would have called it. Um, but uh, the yeast can work through that whole thing. And then how did they bake bread? stone or brick oven, and probably sticking the bread to the sides. Boom, 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 boom. Didn't have a, it maybe had a floor, but you would stick the bread to the roof and the sides too. Then it just all rises and bakes, then just pop it off, basically, yeah. Is it true Bethlehem means house of bread and there's tons of kilns there? Sure, Bethlehem, house of bread, yep. Mm-hmm. My pastor had me, my home pastor had me preach uh, for a uh, uh, week before Christmas. Um, so what is that, Advent 4? Um, my junior year of college. And he had, a, he had a, a prepared sermon for me to learn and, and read. And he, I was glad that I was done with my first semester of Hebrew so I could read Beit Lechem in the, in the sermon. But he made me do that. Jesus spoke all the, oh, the, the, the point here, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't ask. How much gospel works? A little bit, and it gets into everywhere. Usually in the Bible, yeast is a good picture or a bad picture. Usually it's a bad picture. 
Be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, you know, because wickedness gets in too. But here, it's just a picture of goodness. I'm glad Jesus did that. Otherwise, we'd all be paranoid of yeast, right? Thanks for using it both ways. That's a good thing. Jesus spoke all these things in parables to the crowds. He didn't speak to them without telling a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I'm thrilled that he uses that word here. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. That prophecy is in Psalm 78. So the author of Psalm 78 is this guy. Asaph. Those of you who have had me for a while or have been coming for a while, do you know what I think of Asaph? Or have you missed me talking about him? Uh, look at the screen. Asaph wrote, uh, is that uh, looks to me like 11, 12 Psalms. And I believe Job. Um, when I've studied Job um, throughout my ministry, I have come to, to see between these dozen Psalms, 50, 73, 74, 75, that's four, right? Six, seven, eight, nine is eight. 80, one, two, three is 80. Yeah, that's 12 Psalms, making sure my math is right. And between those 12 Psalms in the book of Job, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of verbal parallels, unique words that are only in Asaph's stuff and in Job, turns of phrase, um, words like behemoth and leviathan, um, things show up in Asaph and in Job. And either the author of Job was especially beloved by Asaph, or Asaph was a great student of the book of Job, or Asaph maybe, I think, wrote the book of Job. Also it fits. Asaph was one of the chief temple musicians to David and Solomon. He crosses over between David and Solomon. And which is right in the time frame when we think the book of Job was written. Job took place in the days of Isaac and Jacob, but the writing of the book happens much later in the days of David or Solomon and Asaph fits the bill perfectly for who would have done that. Okay. Just, and called here by Jesus, a prophet. Jesus sent the people away and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And so we're going to walk through the weeds now and look at what all the things mean. I have them written on your sheet. So first, the, the one who sows the good seed is the, the sower is the son of man or Jesus. The field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. So the parable of the weeds is not only like the word of God, but the people themselves, the believers. The weeds are the sons of the evil ones. Not only false doctrine, but the wicked people as well. And then the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. And there's one more that he doesn't say, but we have to say it with confidence. What's the fiery furnace in the parable? Hell, yeah, there's no question about that. Therefore, Jesus says, just as the weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, 
So it'll be at the end of the world, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will put out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and those who continue to break the law. The angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. I think so. This should be, yeah. Um, I didn't look at this in Greek this morning. Um, I could right now. Um, I can right here if you'd like me to. But that's the function of an imperfect verb is to have the act or a participle is to show continuous ongoing action. Yeah. Um, can we uh, just explore one more together? Do you mind? The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again. In his joy, he goes away and sells all that he has and buys that field. What's the key? Is there a theological point to hiding the treasure or is it something else? What's really the point we have to worry about here? Yeah, it's the value, right? It's the value. I, I want, I really want this. And so I don't want somebody else to snatch it away from me if you want to do something with the hiding. But again, not every detail has a meaning. Um, the details are there to carry the parable along. So it is possible, and bear with me, do you mind? Uh, I'll, I, I promise I'll stop milking this this way. But what if a man sees some land in Scotland and he says, that looks pretty good to me. I'm going to zoom in on this. There it is, south of Edinburgh. There it's kind of in a, in, a, in a series of fields. It's actually a beautiful grove of trees. And I'm going to go even further. And you can actually see the individual trees there in their shadows. And he buys that piece um, and, uh, and wants it for himself. So uh, that's, that's, the, that's the, the, the acquisition of the treasure and making sure that, 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 that he gets it. It's very similar to the next one which we can just touch on. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. When he found one very valuable pearl, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Why? Because he can get a better price for it. You know, it's, it's just that precious and just that valuable to him. Yeah. I want to save the fish because... It delights me in a special way, 47, 48 for next time. So we'll stop here at verse 46. Thank you all. God bless you this week. Thanks for letting me to do this. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.